You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. Recently, my family was able to, we have some, we have a picture of the, the title, hopefully we can get that up. My sister, my dad, some family members, they were uh, in the Holy Land, and uh, being up there, they would send me pictures of different places, and they sent me this one picture, the place, uh, uh, the place where this stone was, it's, it was called Petra, and this is where in Matthew 16, verse 13, where the where Jesus, where, where he would ask the question to his disciples, you know, who do you all say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And, and then some, of course, giving them in a, put them in, in high honor. Some say you're Elijah, knowing that Elijah is a great man of God. Some say that, that you're Jeremiah, one of the great prophets. They put him in that, in, in that position. However, the question was asked to Peter. Peter, Simon Peter. Peter answered this. He asked, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? He directed him to ask this, this question. And Peter answered, he said this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered this, you are blessed, Simon of Jonah, because no person taught you that. No person. It was Heavenly Father that showed you who I am. So I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And above everything else, look what he says. And the power of death will not be able to defeat it. In other words, the church will prevail. Circumstances, situation, but the church will prevail. This is just a part of the rock that uh, they said. But below that is that Petra, the Petra the, the, where the Lord Jesus spoke to uh, Simon Peter, those words. In other words, there is a cause to take forth the gospel, to present the gospel. And no matter where you go, what you do, how you present it, the method is not so much, but it is the, the message that brings change. The message is what brings a heart change, which brings a life change, which makes things different. And here in Vida City Church, that's what is needed. That's where we move forward. So I want to start this message of the cause in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 28 through 29. You all know the story already of David, his brothers, and fighting the giant. But I want to bring you a different part of this story. Maybe one that you've noticed before, or maybe you've never brought it, it's never been to your attention. But look at what it says in Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 28, 29. But when David's older, oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Remember, this is the battle. He went there to give some food to his brothers. He was angry. Eliab, the oldest brother, he was angry at him. What are you doing around here anyway? He's questioning him. He demanded, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit, he tells him. And in the King James Version, it, tells, it, it puts it this way. I know the, the naughtiness of your heart. You just want to see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to 
fight for? To stand against the giant? Is there not a cause? Because we stand right now in the name of the Lord our God. So there is a cause. There is a cause. What holds us back as believers from the cause then? It's simple. They put the B before the cause. In other words, putting the B before the cause is this. Well, because uh, uh, maybe uh, I'll let someone else do it, uh, uh, speak the word, I'll testify, or, or tell someone about Jesus, or I'll, uh, I'll let somebody else take that responsibility, but because I don't have time, because there's not enough knowledge for me to speak, I don't have the right wording, and because I, I, I'm slow to speak, oh, no, the story has a strong representation here. Of the believer and the doubters, the story of Eliab and David. And I want to bring those, these two into, into the focus, into the attention. In other words, Eliab being one of those doubters. The doubters will always hold you back. Doubters will always hold you back. In other words, they don't want to see you succeed. They want to hold you back. They don't want you to be successful. They, don't, they would rather depend on their own abilities rather than give God the glory. They also, the doubters, they would, they would rather point you out, point out your weaknesses in your life than your strengths. That's what he was doing to him. He was pointing out his weaknesses. But what Eliab had forgotten was this, that David had been anointed. David had an anointing on his life that took place in his home. David was anointed and he was set apart from the rest because he was the anointed of God. The anointing that tells him, yes, the giant is big, but my God is bigger. Oh, you lost a chance right there. I'll repeat it. Yes, the giant is big, but my God is bigger. Amen? David knew who he was up against, but he knew that his God is bigger. You may be saying, well, well what, about, uh, what about what I need? And, and uh, the, the, uh, I need a fresh anointing then. I need a, I need a new touch in my life. The, uh, you see, the anointing is what you need is going to prepare you to face the giants that come to your life. That's what you need. That, that's why you need that fresh anointing, that fresh touch in your life. You see, the cause... The cause will always keep you ready for your next challenge when you have the cause in mind and in focus. The cause will always keep you in mind that there's always something greater to do for God. 2 Corinthians verse 121 and 22 tells us this. Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. Not only that. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Mm. Guaranteeing what is to come. In other words, victory. Guaranteeing what is to come. You can't move forward. You cannot move forward with the same mundane cycles uh, that have only disappointed you from thriving. You can't. Because you're in a routine, in a cycle, something that takes you over and over again. You got to break out of that. You got to allow God's spirit and God's anointing to come onto your life to be able to move forward. You see, what happens is this. I want you to notice this, and I've said this here before. People are eternal. You have to have a life-changing message for their life. 
You have to be able to tell them and show them that a routine will get you nowhere, but a change in their life, a deposit into their life is going to be eternal for them and their family. You see, David had a heart for God. Mm. He had a heart for God. He wanted more and more of God. And because he had a heart for God, the equation from that was transparency. He was always calling on God, but he was always wanting to know God in his own personal relationship. He always just wanted to know God, and he was transparent with God. Psalms 139 is a good example of that. If you read in Psalms 139, especially going towards the end of the chapter, he tells God, I give you permission to search my heart. I give you permission to test me and know my thoughts, he tells them. He tells them these words because there's four things that he gets out of this that he wants is this. He wants to duplicate. He wants to duplicate the heart of God. That's his desire. He wants to duplicate the heart of God. So I'll observe what you move out of my heart. I'll observe the things that you keep telling me. Oh, get that away from you. Move that, out of, move that aside because it's not helping you. It's hindering you. You got to move away from it. Another thing he will tell them, he says, he says, and he would notice what you're changing. David would notice what God is changing in his heart. That's why he tells him to search my heart, Lord. He notices what he's changing. And the, and the other thing is this. He notices how he's testing him. How he's testing him. Moments to bring glory to God or glory to himself. David didn't raise his head and says, I got it. Oh, he said, he raised his hands and said, glory to God, to him be the glory, because he has given us the victory. It's always him. It's always bringing glory to God. Because I want, he says, I want to resemble, I want to have a heart for God that will resemble his heart. That will resemble his ways. That will resemble his forgiveness. Remember that Psalm 23? Psalm 23. He tells them, I present, I put before you a table, and before that table, there's a table, and your enemies are right on the other side. In other words, he's telling them, I'm, I'm putting your enemy before you because I want you to show them the love that I have for them also. So he, he puts his enemies before him, and, he, and it's like there's a contract, like there's a list of things, and he tears up the paper of everything that they owe and everything that they've done against him. He says, I forgive you because he wants a heart like God to be able to forgive. In Romans chapter 8, 16, it tells us this out of the Message Bible. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. Father and children. He is your heavenly father. He is your direction. He is your guide. He is the one that's going to help you. So the issue today, too many people don't know their identity then. They don't know their Heavenly Father. There's a disconnect. There's always wanting to be, but never obtaining. So let me remind you again of Psalms 139, the psalm that I told you about David. He would write this, you shaped me, first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know my inside and out, and I know and you know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculptured from nothing into something. 
How many, how many of y'all know that you're a, you're a somebody? You are a somebody. If God created you from nothing, then, he, then don't allow nothing greater than who he is in your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is greater. He is greater. Eliab was wrong. He was wrong when he said, I know what's in your heart, David. I know what's in your heart. He was wrong. You see, there was a, a, a life, a life. There is a life. God wants to impact. And he wants to use. But you have to also know his love and his mercy. He wants to use your life to impact someone else. He wants to use your life. To change someone's life. You see, when he said, I know your heart, he was wrong. He was wrong. He says, you'd be surprised at, at, what, he, at what he won't do. He was wrong when he said, I know your heart, David. Mm -mm. He didn't know his heart. He didn't know that the love that he had to God for God. The first thing we have to establish, God wants all of you. Not a part of you. He wants all of you. God never created us to be disconnected. Mm -mm. And he didn't create you to be a religious person either. Because that's not the way it works. He didn't create you to be a religious person either. The biggest roadblock to a real relationship with God is religion. Religion. Many people believe that religion and relationships are synonymous, but they're not. But this misconception often hinders people from entering a real legitimate relationship with God and experiencing a genuine change in their life. Because religion, I always think being religious, that was from Sergio de la Mora. He wrote from Heart Revolution. Relationships draw us into a life transformation. Religion drives us into self-improvement. Relationships allow us to tap into God's liberating power of sin and death. Religion causes us to profess a power we don't truly have or possess. Disconnected. That's why it's so important to have the relationship with God. That's why David taught it was, it's so important to know God, to know the way he works in my life, to see what he does in my life, to make those changes that he wants in my life. Enlarge your heart to know his love and his mercy. God is ready to advance you. He's ready to advance you. He's ready for, to use you in a time such as this. In a moment, in a season such as this. There was a man delivered from a, from a legion of demons. And in Mark chapter 5, you'll find this story. It's a very unique story. When you have a chance, read up on it. But it's a, it's a story, and its uniqueness is this. There's a man, he was possessed, and he lived in a region that everybody knew who he was. He, had, he was very popular because he would, his place, his dwelling place was in the graveside, in the bunk of dead, and he would often um, hit himself against the rocks, and, and, and he, he was totally possessed by this legion. So everyone knew who he was. So Jesus is in his boat with his disciples and says, where are we going? They ask him, where, is he? where are we going? We're going here to the other side. Uh, uh, Jesus, do you know this region? You could, you, can you see the disciples questioning Jesus? Uh, you know this region has that, that, that possessed man 
that, that, that comes out of, the, uh, out, of, out, of, out of the woodwork, if you will, uh, out of nowhere. He, he comes out and he's scaring everybody half to death. Jesus knew. As soon as he gets there to the region, as soon as he touches ground, who comes out to greet him? The possessed man. The possessed man. He's the first one to arrive with Jesus. The first one to greet him was the man possessed. You see, there's no question that Jesus got this. There's no question. It's even more, he knows that the man is possessed. If, if, they, would, if they would have had a motorboat, let me put it to you this way. If they would have had a motorboat, Jesus would have told his disciples, keep the motor running, this won't take long. Keep the motor running, this won't take long. I got this. Isn't that awesome and powerful when you know that God has this? <laughs> You're running up the creek. What am I going to do? What is going to happen? What, what, which way am I going to go? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got this. Jesus had this. This man that was possessed, he saw Jesus. He came to Jesus. Jesus automatically took control. He took control. He cast that demon out of this man. And the transformation took place immediately. His countenance, everything. You saw the change over this man. But look at the gospel now going through this individual. This transformation that has taken place in this man. He, he says, he says he, I want to go with you. I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to hang around with you, Jesus, because the change is there. Don't you remember that change that came in your life? Man, it didn't matter if church was started, started early and went late. You still were there. It don't matter. You stayed late. It don't matter. You stayed late. He wanted to go with Jesus. There's room in the boat, Lord. I'll just take this little spot right here. Let me go with you. Let me go with you, Jesus, because I, I, you have done a work in my life. You, got, you set me free. So in verse 18, it tells us this, 518. As Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man who was freed from the demons begged him to go with him. But Jesus would not let him. Aw, come on, Jesus. Jesus would not let him, but this is what he told him to do. He told him, go home to your family and tell them, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man left and began to tell the people in the ten towns about what Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. That was a stronger message. That was a stronger message right there. Yeah, everybody saw that he was possessed, but the stronger message was that he was delivered by Jesus of Nazareth. He had delivered him. He was no longer the same man. The man was delivered. My co-worker, the other pastor, uh, she, she's a missionary to Guatemala. And she, she was ministering in Guatemala with, uh, with some other pastors, and they were praying for people to the late hours at night. And there was a long line, and it was getting late. And she said, we're still praying and still praying. And there was this man, uh, we knew that he was a church, he would come to the church, but, but, but he had something on him. And he, you could tell that this something wasn't right. 
And they prayed for him. He was almost one of the last ones, and they prayed for him. And this, all of a sudden, something came over him. He wasn't as tense and as tight anymore, but it's like it was a deliverance that took place. And they come to find out that this man would minister in the plaza every day. But people took him as, oh, that's a crazy person. He he could barely talk. He's got this, this sickness on him that you could tell that there's something wrong with him. But after they prayed with him, after they, 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 he was delivered, the next day, they were in the plaza. They were, they were getting something to eat. And they see the man in the plaza again, ministering and preaching. But the difference is this. He has a group, a crowd of people around him. They're wanting to know what happened to you. What was the change in your life that took place that you don't look the same, you don't act the same, and now we can understand exactly what you're telling us. So people now are listening, wanting to know what happened. It was Jesus that delivered him. It was the power of God that did the transformation in his life. It was the power of God now that is ministering to the people. Yeah, it was a strong message before, but now it was a powerful message that had witness behind it. God wants to use your witness. He wants to use your life. You might be saying, I've gone through a lot of stuff. Well, that's what God wants you to tell about, how he took you through a lot of stuff and how he delivered you. We shorten up the story. We try to make it different because we think that we're the only one that needs to know. Quit holding back what God wants to use you on. Mm. You see, the transformation that takes place is so important. Eliab, even though he was on the, he was on the side of Israel, he didn't know what side he was on. He didn't know. He didn't know what side he was on. All he knew is he had a, a his younger brother there that he wanted to make sure that he got him out of there. You see, Joshua asked the angel when the angel came to him when the, uh, Joshua needed an answer. The angel presented himself to him, and he said. And Joshua said, who, 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 whose side are you on? Are you on our side or are you on their side? He goes, I ain't on nobody's side. I represent the God of the host. He is a host in heaven. He is the almighty God. That's who I represent. I don't represent you. I don't represent them. And Joshua said, I won't be on your side. I won't be on your side then because it is God. They want you to give that story. Gideon knew what side he was on. The only thing missing in his situation was this. The power to take the opposition down. Gideon knew whose side he was on. And I'm trying to, I'm going to hurry up now because I know, I know time's going on. He knew that he knew what side he was on. The only thing missing was the, the power to show the, the opposition, taking the opposition down. See, God wants to show his power. He just needs a Gideon. He needs a Gideon to show his power through your life. Gideon shows up in their, when there's disobedience, when there's obedience, I mean. When you obey the Lord and you feel that in your life, you just move with it. You run with it. 
How many of you remember that crazy idea that, 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 that we had and, and uh, we wanted to go pick up uh, the homeless in the bus and, and bring them down here? After getting everything, passing everything through Pastor, and he gave us the permission and everything. We set it all up with our owners and we brought them in. It was crazy to get them all up in here. It was crazy to see that. It was crazy, but you know what? Once I was, I was standing in the bus and they started coming in. Ten. 20, 30, they kept coming in and kept coming in. Yeah, it was crazy, but let's go preach to them. Let's give them the word of God in a different environment. Let's let God do his work through a crazy thought. Sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it takes a thought of craziness to see what God is going to do now. Let me remind you of Joshua 1, 9. Remember the command that I command you to be strong and brave. In other words, there's unexpected strength that is going to come on your life. Just be brave. Don't be afraid because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember, be strong and courageous. Forgetting your purpose brings torn sacks hardly working. With few results. Hardly working with few results. God wants to use you at a time like this. And he wants, to, he, wants you to, he wants you to be effective. David didn't have a clue when he got up that morning. I'm going to take down a giant today. He didn't have a clue. I'm going to take down a giant. That, that's my goal today. I'm going to take down a giant. He didn't have that, that plan. But there was preparation. There was preparation. The bear, the lion got him prepared for that. He knew that he was prepared. And that's what he, that's what God wanted to use. His preparedness to take down the giant. There was preparedness there. There was preparedness. I want to believe that when he sees the giant, he doesn't see him standing, but he sees him down on the ground. I want to believe that. He sees the giant, he says, no, he's standing, but I don't see him standing. I see him on the ground. I don't see him up there because I know. I know how God can do this work. I know. You see, others wanted to, to put him into, to, to fit him in, into, into what they wanted. And, but, 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 but he didn't fit in. Through the eyes of Eliab, David was a, a, a shepherd with a few sheep. Remember he said, oh, he just got a few sheep. He didn't have a few sheep. That's a lie. He had more than a few. You see, you are fit for this command to go and for the cause. God says, go, go. In the framework of battle, David didn't fit. The armor they tried to put on him didn't fit. The method of, of stuff, five stones to, in a battle, that didn't fit. His age, his stature didn't fit. But it don't matter. That's the world's mode. You fit for such a time as this. You fit for such a time as now. You see, I would rather be, I would rather have God's favor on my side than fit into, a, into someone's mold. I would rather, I would rather be, say, I'm here, Lord, ready to be used by you, ready to give you glory. I would rather, I would rather put aside the colorful coat that doesn't fit and put on the coat of character knowing that God wants to use my life. Let me close with this. Praise and worship team, you can come on up. I think by the time you get here and you start getting ready, I think I can bring this down. 
2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, it says this. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. Wow. Isn't that powerful? The one who has invited us is God. Mm. I love what Rick Warren writes when he talks about giving glory to God. He writes in his book, Purpose Driven Life, he says, we bring glory to God by loving, by loving other believers. We bring glory to God. We bring glo glory, give God glory by becoming like Christ. We bring God glory by serving others with our gifts. We bring God glory by telling others about him. That's how we bring God, give God glory. Giving God glory. 2 Corinthians 4.15 tells us this. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. Not you. God. God will receive more and more glory. So in closing, I want to tell you real quick about a story of an, of an individual. Two individuals, actually. And I want to show you the heart and passion, the passion that the Lord has for people. I've been introducing to you the cause to go and minister, to tell someone, to share someone, share someone the story that you have. Be the City Church needs people like you right now. But in this story in chapter 5 of the book of Mark, you read the story of an individual who has a daughter. And the daughter is very sick. So he comes to Jesus and he pleads with Jesus. He tells him, Lord, I need you. I need you to come to my house and just pray for my daughter. She's only 12 years old. So as he's on his way, moving, if you remember the story correctly, though, as he's moving, there's also a woman there. A woman that has an issue of blood for 12 years. And as the crowd is moving, her faith now is moving. And, and she purposes in her heart, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. So as the crowd is moving and she's moving and she touches the Lord's garment, she receives her healing. But here's what I want, where I want you to see the heart, the heart of God and how he loves, how he loves us. You see, the daughter was 12 years old and this woman was been suffering for 12 years. Now you might say, well, I don't see a connection in that. But let me tell you what I see. I see a connection. And this is a connection that I see that describes the heart of God. You see, even though the daughter had 12 and she had 12 years of suffering, the Lord could have very easily stopped everyone in their tracks and said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You see, you have had 12 years with your daughter. You may have celebrated 12 years of her 
birthdays and, 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 and festivals and, and, and different times of, throughout the year. There were celebrations going on. Of course, you're not celebrating now because she's sick. But you have 12 years of celebration to this point. This woman has had 12 years of misery, 12 years of hurt, 12 years of disappointment, 12 years of loss of money till she has no more. No more. She has been drained by life. She has been drained by situations and circumstances. The connection is this. You had 12 good years up to this day. She's had 12 bad years. And I feel your hurt, but I feel her pain also. So power, the power of God was released to this woman. Only the Lord would stop and see that. The woman that was being stoned, remember? They wanted to kill her. They had the stones in their hand ready to kill her. Jesus, after they tried to trick him, just knelt down close to the woman and started writing. And they started dropping their stones one by one. The Lord reached out to this woman. She says, wait, where are the ones that want to kill you? They've all left. He tells her, sin no more. Today, today, mercy has been given to you. But you see, that's the mercy that we need to show. The heart and passion that the Lord has for people. Your people. Your family. There is a cause. Don't think that it's too late. Don't think that time has gone by. It's too late. No. God wants to use you right now. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we close this service. This is one of those messages that I could, I could start narrowing down invitations for you to come to the altar. But in reality, it's not me that is should be convincing you. But it's you. It's you and God. You may not be in the place that you were a year ago, six months ago, two years ago. And you're still trying to find yourself. But God says, here I am to make the transformation in your life again. Here I am to help you along. Just allow me to give you another start. So that's what he's inviting you today. Be the City Church. It's here. Right now. If you haven't had the vision, if you forgot about the vision, get on board. Don't abandon the vision. Get on board with what God's doing.